Welcome to the Reimagine Mission podcast, brought to you by the Microchurch Network, an initiative of the Baptist Union of Victoria. With our host, Andrew Hill, we aim to share stories of new missional possibilities and raise the value of missional imagination. Our guests are pastors, practitioners, and missional thinkers whose stories and theological reflections will challenge, encourage, and equip you to explore missional possibilities in your neighbourhood. Welcome to episode two of our third series in our Reimagine Mission podcast. In our first episode, we were talking with Gary Rucci, and today we actually continue that conversation with Gary Rucci. Last time, we unpacked some of the important aspects of mission. We talked about this whole idea of 5Q. We talked about how leadership is important, but we also visited that area of mega and micro. And and Gary unpacked an amazing point, which was, of course, that small is valid. And so today, uh, Gary and I continue the conversation. And in this episode, we're going to look at where the church is, what we're seeing across the nation, and particularly what Gary's seeing. So Gary, tell us, what are you seeing? What are you talking about? What are you talking about with leaders? What are you seeing with leaders as you uh, associate with different people in different movements across our nation? Well, I've been saying to the new thing guys and to a few others that in this this current space, you've got, you probably heard me say this anyway, that, that you've got the people that are pioneering something fresh from scratch yep right then you've got others who are trying to just do more of the same then you've got others who are trying to create some opportunities outside of the main thing that they do but they're still pouring all the energy into that yeah right and then you've got this other group which are probably where i sit where you are trying to um, hold on to what you've got because they're good people. There's, it's like a resource as well. Yep. And you're trying to mobilize them and move them toward mission, basically. Yeah. It's mobilization, right? Um, and the more we talk about just the, this is how you start a micro church, we're missing this big, massive audience here. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what you're finding. You know, the, the existing church that is dissatisfied. Uh, frustrated, concerned, passionate, whatever about the lost, yeah. are saying this is not working. So what do I do? I might as well quit. And so what we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of people quit, right? Yeah. Um, and then there are others who are asking. And this is where the, 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 it's come to you. They're saying, so how do I how do I do this? Do I just quit what I'm doing and go and do micro church? Yeah. And if I did that, how do I start that? And there's probably more material around that than there is around this in between space of how do we move and transition over into that and that's because that's what that's the space that i'm sitting in yeah right and have been for the last few years um i'm very grateful for the the paradigm that's way over here that this is you know tampa underground yeah you know i spoke to jeremy about the issues that i'm facing at local church and he simply said sorry mate can't help you with that i i i don't know what you're talking about i've never sat in that model i've never sat in a traditional that traditional model of church. I've always I've moved from campus to micro church, yeah, to incarnational house church methodology all of my ministry life. So I don't know what it is the things you're talking about. Yeah. So that's it's helpful because they they see through different eyes. They're helpful, but to the degree that you want to shift the pendulum, they're helpful. But the way the actual steps to get to that is where the challenge is. Yeah. 
Um, and I think there's a whole group of people trying to work that out. And I think some people are further ahead than others in that. Um, That's so, good. Yeah. That's really good. So, Gary, talk to us a little bit about, you know, we you know, we mentioned River City Family Church the way it was and, and the, that it was, you know, like an everyday Pentecostal type church when you walk in. Is is that where, is that what it looks like now? Does it, you know, people all sitting in rows and you sing your songs and then you do your announcements and yeah. you get up and you preach and then everyone, you know, oh, you do an altar call because it's Pentecostal, you know, we've got to do an altar call. And so then we, you know, then we all go home. Is that is, is that still the way it looks? Because it sounds like you've been wrestling through a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I'm expecting your answer to say, no, it doesn't look like that anymore, but, but <laughs> I could be guessing. So tell us. No. You just described most churches in Australia, didn't you, just then? Right? You <laughs> yeah, just rehearsed yeah. everyone's run sheets, yep. you know? Um, I've been involved so with the, a lot the, of them, so, you know, it's... The predictable run sheet. Yeah. Um, no, it looks very different. Um, we were taking the church on a paradigm shift um, since the time we arrived. Yeah. But we accelerated and became, be, became more intentional. Once we felt we had trust... We accelerated the, the vision toward multiplication are in and around 2018, about two, two and a half years in. Yeah. And then and very intentionally during 2019, um, uh, which then led us to meeting the guys in Tampa Underground. Uh, late 2019, we connected with them in 2020. We, we met them in person. Um, and we realised that we needed to make some radical shifts that would be um, would help us get to where we needed to go. Yeah. So we used COVID as an opportunity to reset the church. Ah. So um, we that we uh, we as in us in Queensland, unlike New South Wales, and very much unlike you in Melbourne, yeah. um, our lockdown was for about five months. Yeah. Our initial lockdown from say March through to July, that five month window is when we had experienced that extreme lockdown. We've had small lockdowns since then, but that was our most extreme one. We really felt distinctly God speak to us and say, This is the opportunity for you to reset the church. To literally, I'm going to save you years in these five months. Wow. Now, unfortunately, some people moved on, and I think we know lots of churches who experience the same loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people moved on to other churches and some people did not return to church at all. But for us, it gave us an opportunity to make some, we, need, we felt we needed to change some physical things in order to send a big signal about where we were going. So what we did is we removed the pews. Wow. Now you understand, it's a big statement. as you said before, it is a big statement to make, you know, and it certainly did rattle some cages, if you want to use yeah. that terminology. Um, we meet around tables. Um, so we already had uh, a good a good number of catering size tables. You know the ones you get when you go to a wedding and everyone's sitting a big around a big round table? Yeah. yeah. And um, and you can you can fit eight, ten people around that table, and generally you have your places marked out around the table. Well, we we had a heap of them. So we just literally brought them into the room wow. and put chairs around them, put nice tablecloths on them, and, you know, they've got a table piece in the middle and, of course, all the COVID stuff, you know, hand sanitizer, and, yep. you know, and because they can't not, not allowed to go to the water fountain anymore, so we, you know, provide bottles of 
spring water and we all bought those little communion those little communion things you oh, know individual yeah. communion, and they're on the table um so what we did andrew was that when we came back from covid uh we removed the we we removed the pews yep. right um so that uh was met with uh some indifference i guess from some people um and others celebrated as a wonderful idea because i think they were the ones that had caught on to uh, the vision yeah. and where we were going. So, look, we, we had these catering tables and we, uh, you know, the ones you have at weddings yeah. where you, you know, have your, where you set out eight to ten people. And let me say something about the round table uh, before I forget that idea. Round tables uh, uh, send a much stronger signal uh, to what you're trying to accomplish than rectangular tables. Okay. See, with, with the rectangular table, there's always someone sitting at the head of the table. Yeah. Um, and at a round table, it is literally that, a round table. No one's really the head of the table. So everyone gets the opportunity to lead at some point in time. So, look, these tables are set up, as I said before, tape, nice, nice black tablecloths. We have a nice um, a decor setting in the middle. Yeah. And then we have the spring bottles of water because – People can't use the water fountain during COVID, and yeah. you know, even after the COVID, shared water. Even the gym, even the gyms couldn't have shared water fountains, and so your your budget goes up a little bit. And you're buying spring water for everybody, and um, and hand sanitizer and little communion, little communion biscuit the end of things that have become quite individual ones. You know, rip off the top lid and take your biscuit, and then rip off the next lid, and there's your juice. Yep. You know, and um, so we we've done all that. Uh, so. Why tables, I guess, would be what would people would be asking, yeah. why tables? Uh, well, first of all, why round tables? Like I said before, we wanted to underscore this idea of collaboration, oh, wow. that we're all equals, yeah. uh, an egalitarian model. Uh, I mean, the larger the church, the more hier hierarchy you have. Yeah. Uh, the smaller the church model, the more egalitarian it is. Um, and so we wanted to reinforce that. We wanted the room, from our from our perspective, Andrew. We wanted the room to be a room full of micro churches. Oh wow! We wanted to, we wanted it to be a training ground for micro church practice. Yeah. Um, there's there's some po there's lots of positives, but there's some challenges with the model, and we can unpack that if you want to. But I guess let me just share some of the positives. Yeah. Of what we have learned so far. Yeah. Uh, first of all. Everyone, everyone gets the opportunity to share. That's good. Because we're sharing around tables. Okay, um, at the tables is where the the discussion takes place around the preaching they just heard. So let me just go back to before I unpack that. The ideas around the format. If you walk into our church, what does it look like? Well, straight away you're walking into an into an auditorium. Yeah. That it's a nice auditorium. Get, don't get me wrong, but you're walking into an auditorium full of tables. Wow. It looks like it's set up for a wedding, right? Not set up for church. It looks like it's set up for a conference yeah. or for the Aria Awards, wow. you know, or the Grammy Awards. It looks more like that. Yeah. Uh, not in terms of poshness, no. you know, in terms of you know expensive decor. That's certainly not the case, but. Um, it just doesn't have pews and everyone facing the front. Yeah. Um, and that's what it looks like. Do, we don't always start with worship. Sometimes we start with prayer. Um, sometimes we start with coffee. 
Yeah. Sometimes we start with testimonies. Sometimes we start with the preaching. Um, we don't have a run sheet. When we arrive, um, the key people who are involved in making that service run will ask me, what are we doing this morning? How are we starting? Wow. Now, a little bit what's by default, um, and now it's by design, yeah. I guess, when you arrive at our church, most, more than likely the first thing you'll do is choose your table where you're going to sit, yeah. and then you'll more than likely go and grab a coffee. Now, how has that evolved? It was by default, and now we've let it be intentional by design. Yeah. What, why that? First of all, it was by default because we had this mask rule in play even though the, the shutdowns and lockdowns were stopped and, you know, there was still the social distancing and then the mask-wearing mandate was still in force. Yes. We, we know scores of people who did not return to church because they did not want to wear a mask at church. Yeah, I get that. Okay? And those that did come to church never liked wearing a mask. I've not met one person yet who likes wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, and so the rule was if you were, if you were seated with a drink – or food, then you could remove your mask. Ah, very good. So we use that to our advantage. Yep. Rather than complaining about it and starting a Facebook campaign, which doesn't do anything anyway, <laughs> what we decided to do was work with it and use it to our advantage, okay? So now uh, when people come, um, the mask mandate is, is over now, by the way, because yep. we're in December 21 right now yep. um, as we're recording this. But... Uh, up until just a few a few months ago, a couple of months ago, it was still in place. Yes. So they would come in, they could take their masks off, uh, you know, grab their tea, coffee, grab their seat. We always we we provide snack food um, as well, and they would take the masks off, and straight away, they felt like they were with their friends and yeah. they were at church. And so we have really worked with that, Andrew. That's great. Okay. So what do we, what do we provide? We provide. Uh, so our our hospitality budget has gone has increased. Okay, but I do believe that that's biblical. Uh, so much of what we read in the New Testament, and so much of what we see Christ doing is meeting around food and drink. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would love for our church, and we may still do this, for our church to move either earlier yeah. and have breakfast together, or move later and have lunch together. Oh, We're still okay. toying with that idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, some people are supportive of that and some aren't. So we may do that maybe just once a month, just trial it, yep. okay? But our basic hospitality is still quite good, you know, with fruit and savoury and a, a, and a sweet option, you yep. know, muffins, whatever. Yep. But our team worked hard in keeping our budget down. So for some of the pastors and leaders listening who might say, oh, we could never afford that, I would say, yes, you can, Yeah. right? You don't always have to buy everything and give people everything. You could ask for some people in the church to actually provide food every week yeah. and set up a, a brand new ministry in the life of the church yeah, called hospitality or catering. Yeah. And some, some of the, well, I, I, I would hazard a guess that some of the food they would bring would be better than the, some of the stuff that we're buying from the <laughs> shop. Right? I've tasted grandma's tea cake and I'm telling you, and they're and lamingtons and I would prefer that any day over the Woolworths stuff we get. I'm oh, sorry, Woolworths, Colt, Aldi, whatever yeah. they're getting it from. Not that they're bad. They're good, but. Not that yep. they're bad, they're all good, you know. <laughs> um, um, so we provide all of that. And it, and when people say, why are we doing that? I say, read the New Testament. Yeah, That's what I tell them. Read the New Testament. Look at how many times Jesus met around food. Um, hospitality is 
now has been increased. So already you can see our format is not the same. Now, why is that? Because we we don't want to become so routine and so ritualized that that it, it feels like church all over again. And I can tell you, Andrew, right now that because you're probably going to ask me some idea, ask me some questions around some of the challenges yeah. that we're facing. Yeah. Um, that would be one of them, which we can come back to, is that we, we, we are just given to idolatry. We, we love routine. Yeah. Uh, and now we become, now we, we can, it's easy to idolize the, the table church. This is it. We've arrived. Yeah. You know, we're better than someone else. We're not. Um, so we do that. But let me go back to the table. This is, this is what it's done for us on a positive note. Um, everyone who preaches in our church, including guest preachers, yeah. and we've had a few in, since since COVID, you know, has sort of ended for us up in Queensland. Yeah. Um, we ask them to preach a little bit shorter than than they normally would in another Pentecostal church, yeah. right? So yeah. we don't give them 40, 45 minutes. In other words, we don't give them 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. And we're not expecting an altar call because the altar call is at the table. So what we ask them to do is when you conclude your message, please provide two or three discussion points or questions that have emerged as a result of your preaching today. Oh, and we type, if you don't provide those things, we type them and we put them on a slide yeah. on the big screen behind them. Okay. So for the rest of the meeting, and we try and create uh, a minimum of 15 minutes, but we prefer... 30 minutes. Wow. Let me say that again. 30 minutes of table talk. So table talk time. So we call it table talk. That's yep. what we call it. Yeah. Right. We didn't borrow it. We just come up with table talk. Yeah. Um, it gets as much time as the worship. Wow. In, in our, as the worship, as in the music and singing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our service. Yeah. Um, and we try and end the service with table talk, though sometimes the, um, we feel that the team need to come back and lead some more worship sure. or we sometimes end with communion yeah. um, because it was the best place to do communion was at the end before you leave today. Yeah. And now we don't always now do things like this, roster someone on to speak around communion for 10 minutes. We actually ask them to take communion together at the table with the person beside them wow. nice. um, or with the whole table and we ask someone to lead. Yeah. We don't designate someone. We ask someone to take the lead. That is the phrase we use. That's correct. Someone at your table, please take the lead, right? Lead in prayer in giving thanks to the Lord for his sacrifice and for his broken body and his shed blood yeah. and lead them in a word of prayer. So and if you, feel to lead, if you want to read some scripture, please do that. And it doesn't have to be one person. It wasn't two or three, you know. And sometimes we just say, this is just we, we might interrupt the worship and say, this song is really highlighting, you know, the sacrifice of Christ or whatever. Yes. yes. This is a great opportunity for just to pause right now. Just look at your table, lean forward, pick up your your communion, turn to the person beside you, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, daughter, father, son, friend next to you. Yes. Just turn to each other right now and just give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Uh, give thanks for what he has done in your life. Give thanks for his death, burial, and resurrection Amazing. and take communion together. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is diminish the over-reliance on the exceptional 
few. Because that's what the hierarchical models do. They reinforce the exceptional few. The exceptional few preachers, the exceptional few musicians, and then everyone else, all they can do on a church service is either sit and watch or maybe serve the communion or take up the offering, whatever it might be. So So good, Gary. uh, the, The table talk is where discipleship takes place. It's where real meaningful conversation takes place as they grapple with the questions or the discussion points on the board. Yeah. People are allowed to disagree with one another. The older helps the younger. The more mature helps the, the, the less mature. Here's a, here's a genius thing. Every new person that comes is never, ever left alone to sit on yes. the back row, to come in late and to leave early and meet nobody. That's good. Right? And then leave saying the church was unfriendly. Every church, every new person is welcomed at the door and asked if they want to join someone at a table, right? And if, of course, as we know, a lot of people are invited by someone else, we say, can I help you find where your friend is sitting so you can go and sit with them, you know? And, of course, there's a little bit of intentionality around that. You know, if we see that it's a, a young family and one of their children are in a pram and the other child is you know, three years of age, which is too young for our children's church program, yeah. right? Then we try and place them on a table where some ladies are that are also have young children. And that tends to be in our building. That tends to be on, when, if you're facing from the stage, the right-hand side of the room because yeah. it's closest to the creche and the feeding room. Sure, yeah. No genius behind it. It's just that it happens to be <laughs> it's it happens it to be. Convenient, right? And so a lot of the younger families tend to gravitate toward the right-hand side of the room as a general rule. Uh Um, That's what we do. Look, and look, it's 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 the positive things is that in the early days we had people saying this. I learnt a lot this morning in church. Wow! I have learnt more this morning than I've learnt in the last six months. That was some of the early comments we heard. Amazing. Simply by creating an opportunity for them to sit around a table and talk. We wanted to make it normal practice, Andrew. Yeah. And obviously the normal practice is if in our mind is if they can if they can do this weekly at church, then perhaps, just perhaps they might do it in their home. Yeah, wow. Maybe they might do it in the morning tea room at work. Maybe they'll do it at the local cafe yeah. because the confidence levels have increased because their confidence levels in being vulnerable about their own faith, sharing their own faith with their friends in a non-judgmental environment builds that confidence that I believe is for so many Christians, the missing piece in going beyond the four walls in sharing their, their story with someone else. Um, So that's what we have done. Um, Has it been smooth? Not completely, but that's where we're at. I think where we're at right now, this was July. We instigated that 18 months ago, okay. Andrew, yep. so in July 2020. Wow. So 18 months fast forward. Uh-huh. If we were to take away the tables now and go back to pews, I think it would be seriously disruptive. Wow. I think there would be a lot of people who would question my sanity. <laughs> there would be... Some people who would immediately leave and never come back wow. because we went back to pews. Yep. It may be 
a handful that might go, I'll break the pews back. But I I doubt that they would be convinced of the reasons why they would be saying that. Yeah, wow. So we've we've moved we've moved the culture of the church a long way. And it was the genius of the Holy Spirit. And I'll go back to again, Holy yeah. Spirit saying to myself and Nikki, this is an opportunity to reset the church physically. And that physical change will have a multi- an acceleration effect on the vision. That's good. Um, not everyone's liked it, yeah. Andrew. So there has been some challenges with yeah. it, but it's, it's, it's been positive for us. That's great. So, Gary, just um, inform people in terms of, okay, so obviously new people have been coming in. Have you seen people then give their lives to Jesus as a result of the moves, as a result of the changes that you've made, as a result of moving into this more micro style of church? Not a lot. I've got to be honest with you, not Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen a couple. That is true. Um, I guess what we – let me explain that um, because we get asked that question a lot. Yeah. Um, Two things with it. First of all, what we find is that when new people come – if they're from a, when they're new people, we, we still got some transfer growth happening. Yes. Okay. I think all churches experience that in the, yes. in the economy of the kingdom of God, he brings people to you because he wants them to be a part of your vision. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not saying we tell, we, we don't want any transfer growth, right? I just don't engineer for it. Yeah. I don't plan for it. I don't, I don't uh, program for it. Yep. Right. And I don't celebrate it the way that I used to. Yeah. Right. I love every new person that comes through the door, regardless of where they're from. Okay. Some I know, but I know now with sober judgment, some will leave and some will stay. So when new people come that are from a, a Christian background, I'll use the word Christian background, yeah. then they find our church a little confronting at first. That's the phrases. We've asked them what they think about the church. But they said what got them through was the friendliness of the people. Wow. They said once we've been, once we once we sit once we sat down, we really enjoyed the conversations. And for those that have come, like I, I tend to wait for them to come like three, four, five times, and then ask us because then there's a there's a sort of an indicator they might be really liking this. They might stay with us. Yep. I then get the courage, right? Because it takes courage to go and ask them, what do you think about the church? I think some leaders are afraid to ask that question. Because you know that if they're going to be honest, they're going to tell you some stuff that maybe you don't want to hear. (laughs) But they're going to tell you some stuff that maybe you really do need to hear. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's that's what I mean by courage. Okay? And, you know, um, the feedback has been, it can be confronting. Now, one of those guys, I won't mention his name on the podcast, he's quite a shy person, and so he said it was quite confronting. Wow. But he really enjoyed the conversation because he said, and he's quite he's, he's shy, but he's intellectual. He's a very thoughtful, intelligent person. Yep. He said, I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Most wow. stimulating conversations I've ever had, and I've been a Christian for 20 years. Wow. Right, and he, he was when I say stimulating conversation. You understand, he wasn't sitting at a table with pastors. He was sitting at a table just with fellow believers. Wow, yeah, just members of our congregation. Yeah, but he still still found it stimulating, and rewarding, and challenging. Yeah, and maturing for him personally. So good. So I go, yeah, oh, wow. I was going wow too. Yeah, and I thought, wow. 
So he pushed through the comp. So I t- what I took on board, it's a bit confronting at first. I didn't really want to hear that. I wanted him to say, yeah, I loved it. It was so friendly. It was cool, you know. It wasn't quite that. He said it was confronting at first. I think, ah. Oh. Then I tried to retrace over the previous three or four weeks. Who did he sit with and who was, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you do the math in your brain. There's no point, there's no point in doing that. Yeah. Um, what he what he said was that he found it a stimulating conversation. Yeah. Now, when people, sorry, when, go back to when new people come. Yeah. What we have found, Andrew, is that when new people come who are not from church backgrounds. Yes. They are surprised by the format. They say this, it wasn't what I expected to experience this morning. Wow. It wasn't what I expected to see. Then I say to them, oh, okay, so what did you expect? They said, we expected to be sitting in rows and to be watching something that was quite boring. Wow. Right? That's what that's, that's what unchurched people have said. Yeah. I said, so what did you think of this morning then? Oh, I really found it very friendly, and I enjoyed what you said, but I really enjoyed the discussion at the table. And thanks for the free coffee and cake. Really enjoyed that too, right? Now, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I, I can I can run with that idea. Yeah, I, can, I can run with that um, note from a, a person who doesn't go to church. Totally. Okay? We've had very few conversations with and I'll use the word unchurched people who visited the church, we've had very few negative conversations. So we're taking that as a positive. Now, in terms of you saying, have we seen people getting saved? No. Um, And I guess what shifted for us is a couple of things. Um, We've seen a couple, by the way. But what shifted for us is this, is that Sunday morning for us is now a discipleship training ground. Wow. That's what it is because of the table talk environment. And so our church, the church people, if they're going to invite someone to come, right, again, that's a, again to me that's attractional transactional methodology right there still, yeah. right, then they have to know that those people are ready for that conversation. conversation yeah. And that is really where it's, where it's worked for us because some people have got some friends who are ready for that level of interaction with other Christians. Yeah. They have to discern that for themselves. Previously, what, why would they invite someone to church? Yeah, They've got to work out, will they enjoy the music? I'm not sure. Will they enjoy 45 minutes of preaching, of Gary's preaching about whatever? whatever. Will, they endure, will they endure that? Yeah. You know? Um, will they enjoy sitting in pews? Will they want to stay afterwards for tea and coffee? Probably not. Yeah. So they don't bring them along. Or if we have a guest preacher, they want to know all about the guest preacher. They want to check them out on YouTube and podcasts before they invite someone along. Yeah. And to me, it's 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 still it's a broken wheel. We've been doing this for two hundred years, yes. and it's only got us to where we are now. So for us, right now, Andrew, for for us, the model that we've got in place at, at our where we're currently at, yeah. it's not about how many people are getting saved. Yeah. It's about how many people are we preparing to multiply and send out beyond the four walls of the church service on a Sunday morning. We're preparing this group of people for that so that they will then take the opportunity to run both missional communities and micro churches in their neighbours neighborhoods in their local cafes in their own homes and in their workplaces wow. and for us that's where we will see people 
who are traditionally unchurched coming to know Christ in those environments. That's correct. We're saying this to our people. It is much easier to invite someone to your church for a monthly barbecue than it is to invite them to church. And you know that's the truth. Yeah. Because most people that I meet at our church that are normally not going to church will darken the doorway of a church at Christmas time, yeah. maybe. Easter, maybe. Funeral, probably. Wedding, most likely, but they prefer it to be outdoors. Yeah. Baby dedication, if they understand what a baby dedication is, when usually it's sold to them as a christening. Wow. Right? Otherwise, most unsaved people are not going to go to our beautiful buildings yeah. with our great worship services. And I could be wrong, and I'm not I'm not saying that that model is not going to work for some people, mm. but we've got to just pause for a moment and realize, again, we're in our seventh decade of decline. Yeah. When are we going to realize that whatever we've been doing is just not enough? Yeah. Look, that's our story, Andrew. Um we haven't worked everything out yet. We've still got a long way to go. And with humility, we're not the experts. We're just doing our best. We're trying. We're having a go for Jesus, basically, like a good Queenslander. I'm having a go, mate. <laughs> and Gary, that is so, it's, it's been amazing to hear. And I, I look, I, I just want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your insight. I want to thank you for your wisdom. But most of all, I want to thank you for the story and and for being willing to to share that with us today on the Reimagine Mission podcast. And so really thank you and bless you amazingly and I trust that all goes well. For more information and resources around reimagining mission in your neighbourhood, visit the Baptist Union of Victoria's website, www.buv.com.au or to find out more about the Microchurch Network, visit microchurch.com.au and remember to like or follow the Reimagined Mission podcast on Facebook and Instagram.